And away we go on this Friday installment of Steel Man and Thune at noon. If you're just joining us for the first time this week, Mike Steely is out on vacation, enjoying his time in the Bahamas, eating at Quiznos, hanging with Baker Mayfield, all that jazz. I am Parker Thune. I am currently in the great state of, well, I'm, I'm technically in Kansas. Later today, I will be in Missouri. I'm up in the Kansas City metro area where this afternoon we will get a decision from four-star offensive lineman Caden Green, who's going to be announcing his commitment at 5 p.m. from a list of finalists that includes Oklahoma, Nebraska, LSU, and Missouri. Uh, The Sooners, the heavy favorite to land his pledge. And so that is why I am not in studio today. However, I do have the man himself, Connor Pasby, back at Mission Control running things. If you want to chime in on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439, excuse me, 405-651-3439 is the number to do so at, or give us a call, 405-329-9000 on the Riverwind Casino jackpot line. Coming up at 1235 today, we will be joined by Caden Green's head coach at Lee's Summit North High School, a former Sooner himself and a member of the 2000 National Championship team, Jamar Mosey. Uh, so he will join us live at 1235 to discuss Caden Green and his upcoming commitment. But uh, first things first, let's just get settled here. Connor Pasby, my man, how you doing on this Friday? Doing well. How was your uh, trip up to the da- or the Dallas, the Missouri area? Uh, yes. So I am up in Kansas City at Kansas the moment, City. and uh, I will. So I will tell you this much, Connor. Uh, my car is having some AC issues right now. And the AC isn't out. It's still functioning. It's just not functioning very well. I don't know if it's low on Freon. I don't know if I need a new servo or something like that. The reality is my car's air conditioning system is not at it. It's not at the top of its game right now. Yeah, Parker, we, t- we talked about that yesterday. That's the probably the worst time for your AC to have some not trouble the, during this heat. Uh, yeah. Not 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 the issue you want to be dealing with in the dog days of July. So uh, I wore I was in a pair of sweat shorts and a cutoff shirt yesterday, making that drive with the windows rolled down and uh, what little AC I do have cranked up to full blast. And I was still sweating like a dog, man. It was a miserable drive. But hey, I made it. I've got an appointment Monday morning to get the AC checked out. So. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna get to the bottom of it on the other side of the weekend. However, this is shaping up to be a big weekend for the Oklahoma Sooners on the recruiting trail, and that could start as early as this afternoon at 5 p.m. when Caden Green makes his decision between the Sooners, the Tigers of Missouri, the Tigers of LSU, and the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Uh, 24/7 Sports Crystal Ball unanimously favors the Sooners to pick up the commitment from the six foot five, three hundred and fifteen pound offensive tackle. And again, head coach at Lee Summit North, Jamar Mosey, coming up at twelve thirty five to preview the decision from Caden Green. But of course, that is not the only decision that we are getting this weekend for a priority Oklahoma target. Uh, three-star offensive lineman Logan Howland out of the state of New Jersey will be announcing on Saturday at 5 p.m., so within the span of 24 hours. You could have two outstanding additions to Bill Biedenboe's offensive line room at Oklahoma if things break just so for for OU, and the expectation is that they will 
Uh, as I mentioned, the 24-7 Sports Crystal Ball projects that Caden Green will be a Sooner. Uh, it similarly projects unanimously that Logan Howland will be a Sooner as well. The decision for Howland tomorrow will be between Oklahoma and Iowa. Connor, what are you going to be doing over the weekend? It's kind of, it, you know, the weekend after a holiday weekend is always a little bit anticlimactic because, you know, we got four days off. We got a four day weekend for July 4th. And, you know, you're always pumped when the weekend rolls around. But on the heels of an extended weekend, you're like, well, that, now it's just, now it's just another weekend. Now it's just a normal Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. No more, no more four days off. We get, uh, the other weekend, I may play a little, Golf may stay on top of this Wimbledon we got going on, and just recruiting as we get closer to the OU football season. So, yeah, I may catch some Wimbledon over the weekend. What about you, Parker? Wimbledon. See, yeah. So I'm I'm staying with my grandparents up in Kansas City, and they are big Wimbledon people. Uh, my grandpa loves Wimbledon, and we and just saw they've lived the, all over. The- we just saw Djokovic just punch his ticket to the championship game i'm wondering because we saw nadal get injured the last match how does that work for the semifinals does the loser to nadal just move on or i'm not sure how that works i have no idea connor uh to me tennis makes very little sense it's a sport that i respect immensely because it requires so much constant lateral movement and so much endurance so i'm tennis tennis players you can't knock them. They're some of the best athletes in the world, any way you slice it. But I've never really gotten all that big into tennis. The scoring system in tennis, I know, I'm know. i sure we've talked about this before. I, I believe I've had this conversation with Steely. But the scoring system in tennis makes absolutely zero sense. Love, yeah, I don't understand 15, it at all. 30, 40. There's obviously some historical narrative that explains why tennis is scored the way that it is. I'm not really too eager to get into the particulars. All I know is it's weird and it's bizarre. But, again, so my grandparents have lived all over the place throughout the years. Uh, rural Georgia, uh, Allen, Texas, uh, Richardson, Texas. They lived in a couple different DFW suburbs, but... Uh, they're now up here in Overland Park, Kansas, which is on the Kansas side of the Kansas City Metroplex. And they are big, big Win- Wimbledon people, especially my grandfather. And For whatever reason, it seems I end up visiting them, or at least hanging around their place, right around this time, uh, every single year. And one thing you can always count on is Wimbledon on the TV, all day, every day. So I, I have been subjected to plenty of Wimbledon over the years. But uh, that is the undercard for this weekend, decidedly, especially given that Oklahoma uh, is set to ostensibly pick up at least a couple commitments here on the recruiting trail in what is quickly becoming a uh, pretty elite class of 2023 for Brent Venables and his staff at OU. A uh, lot of work to be done, no doubt. The Sooners need to get another running back. Of course, the, the announcement from Dalen Smothers, the four-star back out of North Carolina, is coming next Thursday, so maybe the Sooners get some good news there. Uh, all signs point toward DeMarco Murray and Oklahoma picking up Smothers. Uh, the trenches, I think, particularly on the defensive side, uh, now become the concern down the stretch. And not, not, not even a concern because, 
You trust Miguel Chavis and Todd Bates. Todd Bates has certainly earned the benefit of the doubt over the years, and if there's one thing that OU fans quickly learned about Miguel Chavis when he arrived on the scene in early December is that he can recruit. And in the span of his first two months on the job, he earned commitments from R. Mason Thomas, Grayson Halton, and Cavante Henry. Not just commitments from those three, but flips from those three. Those three were committed elsewhere when Miguel Chavis took the job as Oklahoma's new defensive ends coach. So uh, the Sooners right now do not have a defensive lineman committed. They do not have an edge rusher committed. I expect that to change by month's end. A couple guys that I'm looking at, obviously, are four-star defensive lineman Derek LeBlanc out of Osceola, Florida, and four-star edge rusher P.J. Adabare, who's currently just about a half hour from where I'm sitting up at North Kansas City High. So those will in all likelihood be uh, the first additions to the class for Oklahoma. At least those are the guys that you would project uh, will be the first to jump in the boat in Bates and Chavis's positional groups in this class of 2023. And uh, should be a big, big boost to the fabled recruiting rankings for Oklahoma today if they do get a commitment from Caden Green. And that's kind of what everybody's been concerned about lately. Is well, then if, you get, if you get the 2024 class, Parker, T.A. Uh, Cunningham's the guy, too, the five-star number one defensive lineman that really has yeah, OU. Well, oh, well, I... You name-dropped T.A. Cunningham, so we just got to go ahead and go there. Uh, Yesterday, T.A. Cunningham dropped the news that he is moving all the way from Alpharetta, Georgia, to Los Alamitos, California, where he will play on the same high school team as one Malachi Nelson and one Makai Lemon. And let me tell you, Connor, I don't even need to tell you because it's blatantly obvious. That one's got mule shoe written all over it. It does. It does indeed. Yeah, that makes a big difference going to California to play his ball. But, I mean, anything happen, we'll see if it does end up USC for uh, T.A. Cunningham. Now, here's the hang-up for USC. I want to get into this before we hit our first break here. Uh, the hang-up for USC and the issue that mule shoe is going to run into on the recruiting trail going forward is that now that UCLA is in the Big Ten, or I'm sorry, set to join the Big Ten in all technicality prior to the 2024 season, he's now going to have to recruit kids that are down for 1,500 miles plus in the air for every single road game. That's going to be difficult to do. As a matter of fact, I was talking to one prospect this week in the 2023 class, and I will not... Uh, name him we will uh, protect his identity here but uh, we're talking to one prospect pretty highly regarded in the class of 2023 and he'd recently been out on a visit to USC USC is uh, one of the schools that he was slash is considering uh, in his recruitment considering very heavily and one of the things that he brought up to me is look I like USC and LA's glitzy no doubt it's got some appeal but if i commit to usc man i gotta go 1500 2000 sometimes even 2500 miles every time we got a road game and that's grueling usc is a geographical outlier in the big 10 the new big 10 and ucla's in the same boat 
that's going to be something that Lincoln Riley and his staff at USC and Chip Kelly and his staff at UCLA have to overcome. That, tra- that traveling's going to be a big part. That traveling's going to be a big part to recruiting, and those those players love to play in nice weather in California. That's going to make a huge difference, Parker, going to the Big Ten. And man, you're going to experience cold really quick down in Iowa and Wisconsin and other teams like that. Yeah, what happens when you got to go up and play Minnesota in late November? What happens when you got to go to Ev- Evanston, Illinois? to face off with Northwestern, and it's 15 degrees outside. You can't simulate that type of environment in Southern California. You can't do it. And not only that, not only do you have to go and play in that environment, but that's going to come on the heels of a three-, four-hour plane flight. Not not an ideal. Not ideal for pregame rituals and getting ready for the cold. You're going to have guys... Put put on some cold gear for the first time. They're not they're not used to playing cold like that. Yeah, and I, I I bring that up as one very tangible example of a player who is cooling on USC for that very reason. He realizes that if he is playing football at USC in the year of our Lord twenty twenty four and thereafter, he is going to have to sign up for five or six plane flights of 1,500 to 2,000 miles every single fall to play road games in likely adverse weather conditions. Now, again, USC and Los Angeles, they have plenty of appeal in their own right. I don't think it's going to be a deal breaker for every single prospect that the Trojans recruit. There are going to be some that are okay with it. There are going to be some that figure, you know what, if I can put on that maroon and gold or whatever the official school colors are at usc cardinal and gold i i don't know uh, they're going to be those that's in their perspective it's worth it to sign up for those long plane flights and those bitterly cold winter saturdays on the road if they can play football at usc and live in a place like los angeles and play for a coach like Muleshoe himself. But you're going to lose some kids based on that very reality, that you're going to have to travel so far to play those types of road games in the Big Ten. We're just getting started here. It is Steelman and Thune at noon on the Ref Sports Radio Network. Parker Thune, Connor Pasby hanging out with you. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Steelman and Thune at noon on the Ref Sports Radio Network. No Mike Steele today. Parker Thune, Connor Pasby. Coming up next segment, former Sooner Jamar Mosey, current head coach at Lee's Summit North High School, the alma mater of one Caden Green, who will be making his decision tonight at 5 p.m. between Oklahoma, Nebraska, LSU, and Missouri. We'll talk to Coach Mo about his take on Caden. Also going to have to grill him on his son Isaiah who is quickly trending towards five-star territory in the class of 2025. And being an OU legacy, there's a very good chance he ends up in Norman when it's all said and done as well. Hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line with your thoughts and opinions today, 405-651-3439. Or give us a call on the Riverwind Casino jackpot line, 405-329-9000 is the number to call if you want to be on the show today. Uh, per the Air Comfort Solutions text line, USC colors are garnet and gold. There you go. I said cardinal and gold. I said maroon and gold. I was wrong on both fronts. Garnet and gold. I at least respect the fact that there is some alliteration there 
props to whatever administrator at USC established that back in the day because uh, alliteration is just nice. Anytime you can work in alliteration, you do it. Alliteration and rhymes. Those are the two things. That's why the name of our show is Steelman and Thune at noon. Couldn't really go for the alliteration with our names. Had to go for the rhyme. There you have it. Uh, that same listener also points out, USC and UCLA play in bad weather at Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, Utah, Colorado. Now, that is true. And I don't want to disavow that because that is true. However, there's a stark difference between Pacific Northwest cold and Midwest, Mid-Atlantic cold. Those are two very different types of cold. I've lived in the Midwest my entire life, more or less. Spent the first two years of my life in Texas, but that's neither here nor there. For the vast majority of my life, I have lived in the Midwest. And I have spent Christmases in places like Ohio and North Dakota and Kansas. I've been all over the place throughout the heartland, the, the heart of the United States. Well, there, there's a technical term. Like, there's something that heartland technically encompasses, but I think of the entire central U.S. as the heartland, more or less. It just makes sense in my mind. Maybe not in everyone's mind, but in my mind. Winters in the Midwest, in the heartland, I should say, are brutal because they're dry cold for the most part. You get a snowstorm every now and again. Ideally, in the winter, at some point, you have a nice accumulation of snow. Because cold without snow is just obnoxious. It's simply annoying. Now, that is the thing about the Midwest, though, man, is that the vast majority of a Midwest winter does not have snow. So and that's what, that's what makes it worse. That's what makes it worse. The no snow, and that's just, yeah, it's brutal cold in the Midwest. No snow, dry cold. And it's often windy. So it can be 15 degrees outside, but it can also feel like negative 10 because of the way that that wind's blowing. And that wind, <laughs> as the old cliche goes, it'll blow right through you. And it will. So that, that, that is a very different cold than the cold you get up in the Pacific Northwest. Per the Air Comfort Solutions text line, I agree with the weather part except for Pullman, Washington. I lived by there for five years. That place gets frigid cold. Pullman, Washington, man, Martin Stadium, that is on my bucket list one day. I want to make it up for a Washington State football game. A Washington State football game in a blizzard? See, that's the type of thing that generally I would hate because I don't like the cold at all, Connor. But it's something you got to experience once in your life. Yeah, you just got to tough it out in the crowd. But, yeah, it would be a great experience to experience the snow the pouring snow at Washington State. Yeah, I don't blame you for having that on your bucket list. <laughs> also on the Air Comfort Solutions sex line, first USC at Iowa game, bet the farm on Iowa. Yes, 1,000% agree. It's hard enough for a Big Ten team to go to Kinnick Stadium and win. The, Dude, the, Iowa, the Iowas, it... Michigans, and Minnesota, be ready for some snow in November because USC will most likely get it if it's in late November. I think it was 2017, if I recall correctly, 
that Ohio State went to Kinnick as like the number six team in the nation. They were very highly ranked at that point, as Ohio State generally is. And they got shellacked, man. If my memory serves me correctly, the final score of that game was something like 55-24. to 24. I mean, it was not close. Yeah, I remember. And then that sounds about Her- right. Curb Street, Cur- Curb Street, Buckeye that he is, at the end of the season, is lobbying for a two-loss Ohio State team to get into the playoff with a 31-point loss to Iowa on their resume. But again, that's neither here nor there. For the most part, I like Kirk Herbstreet. He is kind of an Ohio State homer, but I understand it. He played football there. He's an alumnus. We all have our unconscious biases, some more evident than others, and uh, his Ohio State bias came out in full force in that moment. Yeah, it's hard enough for a Big Ten team to go to Kinnick Stadium and beat the Hawkeyes. By the way, uh, the wave to the Children's Hospital is one of the coolest traditions in all of college sports, not just college football. But for USC, for a mule shoe football team to go to Iowa, particularly in harsh weather conditions, and play a football game, yeah, yeah, that that that'll be the type of game that Iowa wins, like twenty to sixteen. And, and I I glorious. hope I hope that game is in late November. We just get pouring snow at Kinnick Stadium for USC. That would be awesome. Now, now on the topic of the T.A. Cunningham transfer, Jay in Tulsa hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line to ask, with name, image, and likeness legal for California high schoolers now, will we see the trend of more out-of-state guys transferring into that state going forward? Yeah, I would not bet against that at all. Because if you're in a situation where your family is not necessarily a family of means, and you have the opportunity to play high school football in a state like California and make some money and help support your family in the process, yeah, that that will become a lucrative and very attractive option for some kids. It's definitely yeah. a possibility. Yeah, California's now, the best yeah, best state for that for your image and likeness. Now I'll say this TA Cunningham has legitimate extenuating circumstances. There's a legitimate reason he is moving to the state of California, and I'm not going to get too deep in the weeds on that because it's I, it's not my place to air somebody else's personal business. But T.A. Cunningham has a very legitimate reason for moving to the state of California. However, the fact that he's going to Los Alamitos High School, of all places, would suggest to you that all of a sudden, USC has the immediate upper hand in his recruitment which would have seemed like an impossibility as recently as like a week ago, right? Because how often does a program like USC, does a coach like Muleshoe end up pulling a five-star defensive lineman from the state of Georgia? It just doesn't happen. So, yes, they'll have a much better shot at T.A. Cunningham now that he's at Los Alamitos High School playing alongside Malachi Nelson and Makai Lemon. All right, let's hit a break here. On the other side, we will bring in Jamar Mosey, former Oklahoma running back in 1990 and, or 1999 and 2000. Excuse me. Won a championship ring with the Sooners as a member of that 13-0 national championship team. He is now the head coach at Lee's Summit North High School. He's gotten the opportunity to coach Caden Green over the last three seasons. And, of course, tonight we find out where Caden Green is going to be attending college. We'll talk to Jamar about his experience at Oklahoma. We'll talk about Jerry Schmidt, talk about Kill Gundy, and, of course, we'll talk about Caden and what we can expect tonight 
as he picks a hat from among the four that will be on the table, Oklahoma, Nebraska, LSU, and Missouri. Let's come right back with the man himself. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network. Back with you here on Steel Man and Thune on the Ref Sports Radio Network. No Mike Steely today. He's still in the Bahamas, living it up. I'm Parker Thune. Here with the man behind the controls, Connor Pasby on the Ref. This hour of the show brought to you by Lasher Home Comfort Systems. If you want to hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439 to chime in with any of your thoughts and opinions. Uh, very, very excited to be joined this segment by Jamar Mosey, former national champion as a running back at the University of Oklahoma as a member of that 13-0 title team in 2000. He is now the head coach at Lee's Summit North High School, which, of course, has become something of a hotbed for elite football talent in the state of Missouri. Of course, one of the headliners is four-star offensive lineman Caden Green, who's going to be making his decision tonight between Oklahoma, Nebraska, LSU, and Missouri in a televised announcement that will be taking place at 5 p.m. Central Time. Coach Mo, thanks so much for taking time to join the program here. want to ask first and foremost about Caden because the day belongs to him, man. Obviously... You get a kid like this, six foot five, three hundred and fifteen pounds, with his athleticism and natural tools. This is not the type of kid that comes through your program every single year. So, at what point did you realize, as a coach, oh, we got something special in this kid? Heck, I'd say that first summer he got to got to us at least up at North High School, um, just watching him move around his length and things of that nature. And, and I, we didn't start him right away, but you know, as the season went on. There were a couple guys playing that he was he was better than, um, and we could tell in practice. And so I pretty much just kind of got the green light. I talked to mom and dad. They were mom was a bit nervous, and I just went with it. I asked them, and we did it. And uh, I think it was about week five of that season. And from then on out, he was he was he was one of our our. our so he he picked right up physicality wise. He, he's never been scared. I mean, he'll play really hard. He loves football. So it was actually an easy transition for him uh, playing uh, varsity football. Now, uh, you mentioned his family there, and they've been so invested in this entire recruiting process, have accompanied him on so many visits all across the country. I know you've gotten a chance to take some visits with Caden as well, but uh, what can you say about uh, the family dynamic that Caden has with his parents, uh, both of whom are graduates of Oral Roberts in Tulsa. Of course, Caden was born in Tulsa. Uh, but uh, him, his younger brother Caleb, such a close-knit family. What can you say about uh, the dynamic that they have as a family and how they have approached collectively uh, the recruiting process as a whole? Well, one, I, I want to say how extraordinary they are as people. I think, you know, as a, as a head coach at any level, you know, it, it's awesome to have uh, a player with, with the family structure like that. You know, I wish all guys had that. Caden's um, truly blessed with a – you know, I wouldn't say unique, but it's just how it should be. You know what I mean? You got mom and dad there, grandparents. He's got a lot of support, uncles. Everybody's, you know, pro Caden and, and, and involved in his success. So, one, I think it's amazing. His parents are a great asset to our program, which is, you know, they're very positive. They're very supportive. Mom is actually on our, you know, booster club this year. She's helping out. And so it's just it's a great family. Um, and through the recruiting process, they've been really good, uh, very humble about it. Um, very open to listen. Um, I've even played a part in some, you know, as, as this thing has gone forward. And so they're, they're, they're just really easy to deal with when it comes to that. And so 
as long as you're in that circle, I'll say that. Um, but they, 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 they're amazing people. They've done a good job with him on how to talk to people, on how to handle situations. Um, they, they, I think they've done a really good job on guiding his process. Now, Coach, Oklahoma's going to have a hat on the table tonight as one of Caden's finalists for his commitment. And, of course, uh, as I mentioned at the top of the segment, uh, you remember that 2000 National Championship team at Oklahoma and a lot of the folks that are part of the coaching staff at Oklahoma today, the revamped coaching staff under Brent Venables, uh, were a part of that coaching staff that helped lead the Sooners to the 2000 National title. Uh, Your positional coach at the time was Cale Gundy. Uh, Obviously, Brent Venables was co-defensive coordinator, but... uh, uh, I want to ask you specifically about Jerry Schmidt because you know you hear the you hear the stories, you see the tweets. Uh, Schmitty is something of a uh, a cult legend uh, for the workout regimen uh, that he pushes his players to maintain and uh, the culture uh, that he's cultivated in his weight room. So, uh, what can you say about your experience with Schmitty and everything that he put you through as a player back in the day? One, I want to say uh, to confirm, just like everybody else, it is real. Um, it is hard. It is the real deal. Um, while you're going through it, you have to learn to understand that it's um, – because I think while you're in it, you, you kind of despise – you're mad at him all the time. Like, man, are we really doing this? Do we really have to – I mean, you got to do every rep. Uh, it's got to be done in a certain time. And if you don't, you got to start over. you got to do it all over again. Uh, there was times back in my day where you get – you know, the whole group, he'd, he'd, he'd kick you all out of the workout. You'd have to come back later on that day and do it again. I mean, he was – it was serious. And I think throughout that, I mean, he builds toughness. Um, and I think a lot of guys can attest who's actually um, have went through what he, his regimen. It, it affects our lives today. Um, he's all over it. Um, a lot of the things we do in the weight room, and, uh, when we are speed and agility, conditioning, we do a lot of things that I've learned from Schmitty. Um and so I, I, I couldn't thank him enough for what he actually put me. Those guys, that, you know, old teammates, they, they can attest. And the toughness piece, I think that's going to be something that's really uh, – but it's going to be really good for the program going forward um, because he's big on that. Um, and then lift will definitely affect play. But, no, Smitty, Smitty's a legendary guy, and he should be. Um, he's, he's the real deal. Now, Coach, I want to ask you about your program as a whole because we talked about Caden, and in the class of 2023, uh, he's the biggest name there is. But uh, you have several players uh, across the entirety of the program uh, that are getting looks at the FBS level, uh, have Power 5 offers. Of course, two more that really stand out are Williams and Winery, the four-star defensive lineman in the class of 2024, and your own son. Isaiah, who's a wide receiver in the class of 2025, uh, and I, I forget his exact tally, but already has somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 offers. So uh, how is it that your program has come to cultivate a culture where uh, you have so many guys year in and year out uh, that are the best of the best at the prep level in Missouri, getting looks at the next level, and uh, how do you keep the focus oriented on the immediate task at hand, which is, winning a state championship this fall uh, when you got guys uh, that are getting pulled in so many different directions by college coaches and recruiters across the country that are already trying to push them to think about the next level? So that's a great question. Um, one is the structure of how we built it. You know, when I took on, this, this will be my eighth year this upcoming season, but 
when I got there, we were we were last place in the state. We were really bad. Um, and so my first thing was, you know, no one really wanted to come to our school or play for us. You know, we had two other big big class high schools in our town, and both of them are pretty good. And one was really good. So I just started from. Well, I've kind of built a structure where I know who's coming to us, and I can identify kids early. And I just started training them, and we kind of went that direction from from the ground up. And it's really just now two years has, has caught up with itself. And so a lot of these kids you're seeing now have been in our program for years. You know, I've known some of them since they were eight years old. Like Caden, I've known Caden, I think, since he was in the seventh or eighth grade. And so, you know, the structure has been built. They know the expectations. Um, when they come to the high school, they know how we work. And it really shows up physically in their bodies, of course, and, and we have a lot of guys who are, but uh, the all-around program itself is now taking effect. You know, in, in the classroom, off the field, how they conduct, you know, how they carry themselves. Uh, track, they don't know any different. You know, because I've had them for so long. Like when they, when they, they, they know the task at hand. They understand that we're working towards a common goal. Um, I keep goals in front of them constantly. Um, I'm not a coach that shies away from talking about state titles. We don't have one yet. At least in the north, that's something we we really want really bad, and so that's the talk, you know. And you know, Caden's under twenty three, but we've got a lot of really good young players. You mentioned William Wanary; um, he's a twenty four. My son's a twenty five, and then there's two other twenty fives who already have Power Five offers: Kamari Moore and Chase Pearsall. So, and there's more. There's more guys that come point as they continue to play, but it's just constant reminders. Uh, constant meetings, constant um, conversations, uh, how we work. You know, I work them really hard, so we kind of stay humble that way. Um, so it's constant, but staying on the same page and wanting the same thing. Now, Coach, last question before we let you go. Uh, you've obviously uh, seen a lot of ball over the years, both as a player and as a coach, and uh, seen a lot of outstanding offensive linemen. You had a kid last year, Armand Membo, who committed to Missouri as a three-star prospect in the class of 2022 and is already making waves out there. Uh, where does Caden stack up in terms of the offensive linemen that you've seen or that you've coached over the years? Just how good is he and how good can he become? Well, one, he's really good. He stacks really high. Armand Mimbo was a special kid. I think he was a late bloomer. Um, people, a lot of people just didn't get a chance to really see him, but I think it was showing college. Caden was good from the beginning. Armand kind of grew into it. Caden right out of the jump. Um, he, he's right up there. Not even offensive lineman. I'd say player I've ever coached, no doubt. Um, his upside is, is really high. He's, he's still – He's got a lot of growing to do, and I'm not even saying that so he's getting going to get taller, but like strength-wise, he's going to get stronger, which I think will cause him to continue to get faster and more explosive. Um, but he's got a, he's got a high ceiling. He's got long arms. Um, I think he can play multiple spots. I think he can play tackle. I think he can play guard, um, which I think makes him pretty valuable too. Um, but his ceiling is high. I rate him very high. He's top five players I've ever coached, and he his ceiling's really high. And, and whoever gets him. They're going to get a real jewel as a teammate in the locker room. There won't be any issues. Um, he's tough. He'll work hard. And most importantly, I think something we, you know, we forget in this thing, he loves football. He loves playing O-line. Like, it's a big deal to him. And so that's really hard to find in high school anymore because everybody wants to do play another spot as opposed to that. But he, he loves playing O-line. Like, he, he loves it. And so – they're going to get a jewel, whoever gets it. 
Jamar Mosey, former national champion running back at the University of Oklahoma, current Lee Summit North head coach. Coach Mo, thanks so much for your time today. Appreciate it. Hey, thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, there it is. Jamar Mosey, Caden Green's head coach at Lee Summit North High School. And, of course, uh, the day belongs to Caden Green. He will be making his collegiate decision today at 5 p.m. Oklahoma, Nebraska, LSU, and Missouri, the finalists for his commitment. Uh, I'm up here in Kansas City. Obviously, I will be there for Caden Green's announcement. So we will see where the chips fall. Uh, A lot of folks believe that Oklahoma could end up being the spot. We shall see. We're closing in. Going to hit a break here on The Ref. Come right back. Wrap up hour number one. Steel Man and Thune at noon. Keep it right here. And we roll on here on The Ref Sports Radio Network. Steel Man and Thune at noon. Mike Steely's out today. Parker Thune. Along with the man at Mission Control, Connor Pasby, running the show behind the scenes. Hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. If you have thoughts, opinions, questions, whatever the case may be, I do my best to answer any and all questions that come through via the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Some days it's easier than others, but we do our best uh, to hit everything that you guys throw at us on the text line. Loved having Jamar Mosey on last segment. Coach Mo's an awesome guy. So many awesome people around that Lee Summit North football program really gets you excited about what kind of player and what kind of person Oklahoma would get in Caden Green if they are indeed the pick this evening for the four-star offensive lineman out of the state of Missouri. Huge thanks to Coach Mo for coming on the program. It was fantastic to hear from him about Caden, about the Lee Summit North program as a whole. And uh, we will no doubt hear from him again at some point down the line, I would think, because he's got a couple of up-and-comers, and he mentioned them. Williams Nwaneri, four-star defensive lineman in the class of 2024, and his own son, Isaiah Mosey, 2025 wide receiver. Oklahoma is going to be a very heavy player for both of those kids. So that will be something to monitor uh, going forward. Uh, one listener asked on the text line, what are the chances we get Caden? What percentage would you put on it? Look, uh, I'll say this much. I, I don't think it's a secret where I sit in all this. I've had a crystal ball in for Caden Green to Oklahoma since last May. So uh, it, it has always felt like Caden Green was going to be a Sooner when all is said and done. I would say there is an 80 to 90% chance that Caden Green is a Sooner in the next few hours. Uh, The kid was born in Tulsa, as I mentioned. Parents are graduates of Oral Roberts. He spent the first four years of his life in Tulsa. Would have gone to Union High School if his family hadn't moved up to the Kansas City area. But uh, one thing about the Greens, and Caden in particular, when they moved, their affinity for Oklahoma, and more specifically Caden's affinity for Oklahoma, did not ebb away, not by a long shot. So uh, there has always been a rooting interest there. And when Bill Biedenboe reached out last spring with that scholarship offer to Caden, uh, it was one that meant a lot. And from the get-go, there was always the thought that Oklahoma was going to be very difficult to deny in his recruitment. And I am very much of the opinion uh, that he ends up picking up the crimson hat this evening. We will see LSU, Nebraska, Missouri, the other finalists. You know what's interesting to think about, Connor, is that uh, for a time, circa November 28, there was a thought that maybe Bill Beatonmo ends up out at USC with Muleshoe. Now, 
in the days following, that was pretty quickly shot down, and it became evident that Biedenboe was going to stay, and you would have figured at that point he would be retained by whoever the next head coach was, and indeed he was retained under Brett Venables. But Bill Biedenboe ends up out of USC. That maybe spells the end of Oklahoma's chances of landing Caden Green, even a kid that, as he was growing up, is so pro-Oklahoma. So, look, bottom line, the Sooners are in this race and favored in this race, not because of, uh, not necessarily because of the program's brand and identity, although that is an important component of it. But uh, you got to tip your cap to Bill Biedenboe if the Sooners do get Caden Green tonight, because he has been very proactive in this recruitment from the get-go, prioritized Caden and his family, and made it very abundantly clear that they were wanted and needed at the University of Oklahoma. That does it for hour number one. We're going to come back, jump into our second hour coming up next. Locked in, coming your way at 2 p.m. Tyler McComas and I talk OU football and recruiting for a full hour. We'll see where hour number two of Steel Man and Thune takes us next. Well, you came for Steely and Thune. You got half of what you came for. Mike Steely is out today. Been out all week. I don't know what day he's back next week. I think it's Wednesday, if my memory serves me correctly. So, Parker, we actually we got confirmed that he'll be back Monday from Drake Dyson. Oh, Monday. He'll be back okay. Monday. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay. Well, that settles it. It's the last day of you and me together, Connor. So we got to relish this last hour. Make it a great uh, hour. This hour Make brought to you. Hour. Indeed. This hour brought to you by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Make the short drive down I-35 to Paul's Valley to get a great deal on a new or used auto from the Seth Wadley Auto Group. Very much appreciate their sponsorship of the second hour of our program. The Air Comfort Solutions text line is available to you. 405-651-3439. Chime in with opinions, thoughts, questions. Let's get it rolling on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Uh, big day for Oklahoma in terms of recruiting. We talked about that for much of the first hour. Four-star offensive lineman Caden Green making a decision this evening. If you want to give us a call, jump on the show. The Riverwind Casino jackpot line is 405 329 That is 405 Zero, zero. Well, Connor, it's shaping up to be a pretty dang good weekend for Oklahoma on the recruiting trail. And as we've talked about many times before, uh, there are those uh, that especially as June turned to July and Oklahoma was still struggling uh, to get on a roll in terms of commitments, uh, there were those that were at the very least skeptical and at most legitimately upset with Brent Venables and his staff and their recruiting philosophy. Yeah, now, a lot of fans a lot though, of fans upset in the month of June and now they're getting the glimpse of the July recruiting. A lot of folks about to be eating some crow in the next few weeks because the month of July is going to be big for Oklahoma in terms of recruiting. Now, uh, I'll say this much. This is one thing that I want to get into with you, Connor, is there are a couple of prospects out there. And I'm not, not going to name names. But there are at least a couple of prospects out there on the board for Oklahoma that are going to be on the board on into the fall because they want to see what this team 
and specifically what Brent Venable's defense looks like in action at the University of Oklahoma. Because we all expect it's going to be outstanding. We all expect it's going to be a significant upgrade over the Alex Grinch and Mike Stoops units of old. But we don't know with verifiable certainty what the situation is going to be on the defensive side of the ball and just how capable the Sooners' defense is going to be uh, come this fall uh, when the Sooners take the field for the 2022 season. Now, I want to ask you, Connor, I kind of want to open a can of worms here. What does a successful season look like for Brent Venable's defense? We've talked a lot about what a successful season looks like for Oklahoma as a football team, and I think it's pretty self-evident in that regard. People expect Oklahoma to go back to the Big 12 championship, and there are many that expect Oklahoma to win it. The Sooners were picked second in the Big 12 preseason poll yesterday. Uh, If you connect the dots therein, Uh, The expectation from the media as a consensus is that Oklahoma falls in the Big 12 championship game to the defending uh, Big 12 champions, Baylor Bears. So we've, we've talked plenty, we've talked extensively about what a successful season will look like for Oklahoma as a football team. But for a unit, when you're talking specifically about the defense under Brent Venables, what to you is the benchmark the dividing line, how do you regard Oklahoma as having a successful season defensively this fall? What do they have to do? What do they have to accomplish? What numbers, stats, et cetera, do they have to hit? I think third down stops is a big one. We've seen over the years the Sooners' defense having trouble getting off the field, and I say slow down the passing game and cause turnovers. I think this defense with Brent Venable is going to be tough, physical, very rounded, a good group, and they're going to be very pissed off, Parker. We've seen a lot of reporters and journalists kind of not giving the Sooners team much credit heading into the year under first-year Brent Venables. We've seen, I don't know if you saw, there's a Travis Roeder, a journalist from Sikkim. He has OU at six in the preseason poll. We saw OU at number two in the preseason poll in the Big 12. Wow. And obviously two days ago that other than Michael Turk, no guys on the Big 12 preseason team. So this is going to be a very pissed off Oklahoma team. I think they're going to be very rounded on defense, and I'm hoping to see some third down stops. I think everyone can agree on that, Parker. Man, if there's one thing that really stands out, about that game in Waco last year, where the Sooners fell to the eventual Big 12 champion, Baylor Bears. There's one thing that really stands out. It was the atrocious third-down defense that Oklahoma played in that football game. And that was really where a lot of fans were pushed to their limit with Alex Grinch. And look, I don't want to diss Alex Grinch. Alex Grinch gets a bad rap in crimson circles. And to a certain extent, it's understandable because his units were never elite. And at times, they were bad. They were just flat-out bad at times. It was indefensible, the performance that they turned in against Tulane in the season opener last year, for instance. But for the most part, and on the whole, Alex Grinch's defense was a significant upgrade from what Sooner fans became accustomed to under Mike Stoops. I don't know if I've seen worse defense 
from a nationally ranked team, let alone a playoff team, in my lifetime than I saw from Oklahoma in 2018. If Oklahoma doesn't have Kyler Murray that year, they're maybe an eight-win team, Connor. And Seven that's or eight not wins. hyperbole. Yeah, if you that don't, if you don't, hyperbole at all. If you don't have K one at quarterback, that's I. I'm not afraid to say that's an average team right there, Parker, with the defense. And I'll be have. honest with you. I'll be honest with you. They weren't that far away from being a seven or eight win team anyway. K1 had to drag them to some victories down the stretch. You look at the final scores of so many of those games that were played over the final month and a half of the season. I mean, if not for Kyler Murray single-handedly carrying that Oklahoma football team to victory, if it were not for him putting the team on his back, the Sooners don't sniff the Big 12 championship, let alone the college football playoff. And just listen, listen to some of this. Connor, let me read you some of these final scores. Let me read you the final four scores of the Sooners' 2018 regular season. 51-46 to 46 victory over Texas Tech in Lubbock. That one got hairy. 48-47 to 47 victory over Oklahoma State in Bedlam. And the only reason the Sooners won was because of a missed extra point by Matt Amendola. 55-40 to 40 at home against Kansas. That 2018 Oklahoma defense, Connor, surrendered 40 points to Kansas. And then, of course, the regular season finale was that 59-56 to 56 firefight up in Morgantown, West Virginia, where the Sooners came out on the victorious end against the Mountaineers. So... Alex Grinch gets a bad rap, and while I'm not saying it's entirely unfair, what I am saying is he was an upgrade over Mike Stoops, particularly latter-day Mike Stoops. Now, the expectation under Brent Venables is that the Sooners' defense is not only going to be improved, but elite, and it's a question of how quickly things gel, because there will come a time at which Oklahoma's defense is elite. Brent Venables is too good at his job for that not to happen. We are not going to be sitting here three, four years down the road, Connor, and wondering, well, when's it? Uh, when's OU's defense going to turn the corner under Brent Venables? We're not going to have to wait that long. No, it's gonna it's gonna turn around very quick. And I think people are tired of seeing the forty, giving up forty points and into the fifties. Stay away from that and getting third down stops, and so many close games week in and week out. I think they just want to see Brent Vimbles and the defense just take care of business against teams that they should beat easily. Man, I, I, I'm having so many PTSD flashbacks to that 2018 season. Now, I shouldn't even have gone there. But the point, what, I, what I'm kind of trying to get at here, Connor, is that the faster this defense becomes a lead, and I think there's a chance it happens pretty quickly, the better that's going to reflect on Oklahoma's recruiting efforts and the more impact that is going to have on Oklahoma's ability to pull the type of elite defensive players that they just haven't gotten in years past. Right? Their most recent five-star defensive commit was Caleb Kelly in 2016. Right. Now, they had Gabriel Brown-Lodindy committed for a while last cycle, and oh my gosh, I think the world of that kid, he is going to be a superstar one day. But, of course, 
Once Calvin Thibodeau is out the door, GBD flips to Texas A&M, and it appeared for the moment as though the Sooners were left up a creek without a paddle. Fortunately, Miguel Chavis helped cleaned up, helped to clean up some of the mess that Muleshoe left behind when he nuked the program on his way out the door. But there will come a time, and I think it will come soon, that that drought, the five-star defensive drought, comes to a halt. Because if there's one thing we know about Brent Venables over the course of his tenure as a coordinator, whether at Oklahoma or at Clemson, a top 25 defense is generally the bare minimum. Like, if if Brent Venable's defense is outside the top 20 nationally, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the amount of talent, that's generally pretty disappointing when you look at the arc of his career. More often than not, he has had a top 10 defense over the years. So that's going to become the norm at the University of Oklahoma. How quickly does it become the norm? I think if it happens as soon as this fall, and I'm not saying that's my expectation, but if it does happen this fall, if you see Oklahoma start to play truly elite defense, you're going to have you're going to experience a boon on the recruiting trail. And that's probably more significant with the 2024 class than it is with the 2023 class, but it's not out of the question that down the stretch, make a, you make a couple of big-time defensive splashes to close out your 2023 cycle. Yeah, if you have you, if you have a heck of a year on defense this upcoming year under Brent Venables, you're going to start seeing those four star, five star defensive guys come to Norman. That's been missing for many years lately. We've seen the elite talent on the offensive end, but the defensive side of recruiting has kind of been missing. Parker, one listener on the Air Comfort Solutions sex line says, "How can we expect BVSD to be better with the same players?" Well, you, you answered your own question. BV, that's the answer to that question. It comes down to coaching. Guess what? You can have the same players, and you can get two entirely different results depending on who the coach is and who's providing the instruction. Brent Venables is a far superior defensive mind to Alex Grinch. I don't think even the most diehard, garnet and gold glasses USC fan would argue with you on that front. Brent Venables is far superior to Alex Grinch as a defensive play caller. And so that's why the Sooners are going to be vastly improved in defense this fall. They will be. It's because Brent Venables is quite simply a better coach than the one that they have had for the last few years. Just getting started on hour number two, Steelman and Thune at Noon. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back on the other side of the break. Stay with us. Steelman and Thune at Noon rolls on. No Mike Steely today. Parker Thune, Connor Pasby here with you. Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. I, of course, am in Kansas City at the moment, waiting on a decision from four-star offensive lineman Caden Green, who's going to be making his college announcement this evening, 5 p.m. Central Time, Oklahoma, Nebraska, Missouri, LSU, the finalists. Now, let us head to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, Connor. A lot of folks weighing in on our conversation from last hour. Uh, one listener says, how can the defense be better with the same players, Schmitty and Brent Venables? I, I tell you what, Connor, have you seen some of the photos circulating on social media of the post-Schmitty Oklahoma football players, the likes of Billy Bowman, Kelvin Gilliam, etc.? 
yeah, the pictures the Billy... these dudes are posting, they look twice as muscular as they were a year ago. Billy Bowman, Schmitty has definitely impacted Billy Bowman, the way he looks right now. Man, he looks a lot stronger, a lot bigger, and not just him, but some other guys, too, with the Schmitty system. Now, I guess since we're on the topic of Schmitty, here's what I want to dig into. First off, if you haven't seen the photos on social media, uh, there have been a couple floating around. One of them that caught a lot of attention was a picture of Billy Bowman in a sleeveless shirt. And my goodness, I would love to see a side-by-side of Billy Bowman today versus Billy Bowman on July 8th, 2021. Because they barely look like the same human. Jerry Schmidt has put some muscle on that kid. And look, that's the case all the way across the board right now. Jordan Kelly looks measurably more muscular. Kelvin Gilliam looks huge. And so the Jerry Schmidt workout regimen is already paying dividends. And the reality Connor, is that you go back to that 2000 National Championship team. That was a team that Schmitty built. And he built a lot of teams in Norman over the course of his time there. I I will say this. I am impressed with the fact that it seems like everybody in that locker room, everybody on the roster is 100% bought in because you heard Jamar Mosey talk about it last hour. Schmitty runs the type of regimen that will break people. And there will be those that can't handle the smoke from Jerry Schmidt. There don't appear to be any of those individuals at the University of Oklahoma right now because they're all enduring the workouts, and from everything I've heard, things are going pretty swimmingly. Guys are bought in. We've never, I'm, I've personally never seen a strength and conditioning coach really impact a team as much as Jerry Schmidt does during his time at Oklahoma, did the same thing at A&M, and he's already doing that so far at Oklahoma, getting these guys bought in, ready to go in the workouts to prepare them for the season, and all that hard work is paying off for the, for the OU football team right now. On a related note, Bill Beatonbow has been the subject of a lot of undeserved criticism over the last couple of years. And I say it's undeserved because – there are folks who will take to social media or the message boards, etc. And I'm not saying this is a popular stance. I'm not even saying it's a common stance. But I do see it from time to time. I don't know if it's all the same small group of people or if it's a growing contingent, whatever the case may be. There are those who will get on social media or on the message boards and single out Bill Biedenboe for his perceived inability to recruit. First off, let's just start. Uh, let's just take that at face value for a second. The Sooners are on the precipice of getting a commitment from a top 100 player nationally. Caden Green would be the second highest ranked commit at the offensive tackle position of Beatonbow's entire tenure at Oklahoma. The highest, of course, being Bray Walker back in 2018. And I say that, and I guarantee some listening are instantly. Like, well, okay, well, that that tells you all you need to know about Bill's recruiting ability. He can't recruit elite offensive linemen. He can't do it. Bill Biedenboe has never needed to recruit elite offensive linemen according to the recruiting services and the rankings. Bill Biedenboe had an offensive line that won the Joe Moore Award in 2018. 
Bill Bedenboe had an offensive line that gave Baker Mayfield all weekend to throw every time he dropped back in 2017. We are not that far removed from Oklahoma's offensive line being truly elite nationally, not just in comparison to the rest of the Big 12, but nationally. We are not that far removed from Oklahoma having one of the finest offensive lines in the nation, if not the absolute premier offensive line. Every single member of that 2018 offensive line is in the NFL right now. What is the difference, Connor, between the offensive line that we saw in 2017, for instance, and the offensive line that struggled at times over the last couple of years in 2020 and 2021? What was there in 2017 that wasn't there these last couple of years? I think, or rather, who was there? I think there was more of a physical 2017 offensive line unit. I mean, other than Orlando Brown, they weren't highly talented guys coming out of high school. For instance, Ben Powers was a Juco guy, so they were just tough, physical. And, yeah, Orlando yeah, Brown. No, I, I, and, yes, they were. But what I'm, what I'm getting at here is there's one guy, one very key ingredient in the whole process of development that was there in 2017, and he hadn't been there the last three years. Who is it? Jerry Schmidt. Jerry Schmidt. Jerry freaking Schmidt. And I swear there is a certain contingent of this fan base that is bound and determined to crucify Bill Biedenboe for the sins of Benny Wiley and his kettlebells. I don't know why, because it's not that hard to connect the dots here. And I'm not saying correlation equals causation. But what I am saying is the last offensive line that you saw in Norman, Oklahoma, that was built by Schmitty was the offensive line that won the Joe Moore Award in 2018. They had, they had a total, total that- different mindset with Jerry Schmidt in 2017 compared to the last season with Benny Wiley. Correct. Ever since then. Ever since the Sooners and Muleshoe ran Jerry Schmidt off the ranch and down to College Station, the offensive line has struggled. Now, it hasn't been bad. I don't want to make it sound like it's been bad, because it hasn't. And to be honest, there were a lot of those guys that were still members of that offensive line group, the likes of Tyrese Robinson and Marquise Hayes and Creed Humphrey, that got to develop under Schmidt for a year or two. They were accustomed to his way of doing things. And that's why you saw standout play from them at times. Obviously, Creed Humphrey. I, I, I firmly believe that Creed Humphrey is the most underrated Sooner of the last two decades. Firmly believe that. I don't know that that guy will ever get enough appreciation for what he contributed at the University of Oklahoma. But Schmidt hadn't been there. Benny Wiley's been there. Benny Wiley was putting him through the kettlebell workouts. Benny Wiley was uh, developing, quote-unquote, developing the offensive line in particular. And there's no position group for which strength and conditioning matters as much as the offensive line. And there is a reason why the Sooners have not been as dominant up front from 2019 onward as they were in 2018 and previous years. And it has nothing to do with Bill Bedenboe being over the hill. It has zero to do with that. It has everything to do with the fact 
that Muleshoe chased off Jerry Schmidt. It looked like we saw we saw more hype videos than we saw actually the guys putting in work in the weight room. One listener on the Air Comfort Solutions text line says, for the first time ever, I agree with Parker Thune on something. There we are. We are unifying today here on The Ref. Me and the trolls, me and my haters, we have common ground today. Bill Beatonbo is not to blame for the Oklahoma offensive line struggles. And to be honest, to put it in perspective, they weren't even real struggles over the last few years. A lot of Power 5 programs would have killed to have the offensive line play that Oklahoma had, but in comparison to what Sooner fans were accustomed to back in the days of Schmitty's weight room, it wasn't up to par. It's going to be back up to par. Believe that. The Sooners are going to get dominant offensive line play going forward. They will. And it has much to do with Jerry Schmidt as it has to do with Bill Biedenboe. Because, man, you cannot quantify and you cannot underscore enough how important strength and conditioning is to the development of offensive linemen. The narrative on Bill Biedenboe is going to reverse very quickly for plenty of these folks. And it will reverse in large part due to the presence of a very capable strength coach in Jerry Schmidt, one of the nation's best, if not the best. Coming right back. It's the Ref Sports Radio Network. Stay with us. Oh, yeah, you know what that means. It's time to catch up with Brandon Drum. We'll have him on in just a moment. Here on the ref, Steel Man and Thune at noon. No Mike Steely. Parker Thune, Connor Pasby hanging with you. Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. One of our 918 listeners said, Benny Wiley and Mule Shoe go together like bread and butter. Soft. Yeah, I tell you what. USC... Uh, Over the last few weeks, I think those fans are starting to have their eyes opened to what they're going to get, or rather not get, in terms of offensive line play and recruiting under Muleshoe. Because uh, (laughs) the USC fans are starting to see their school whiff on some big-time offensive line targets. They haven't seen the product on the field just yet. But I think when they do... I get the impression, knowing what we know about Benny Wiley and his strength program, that uh, USC fans are going to have their qualms with the Trojans' offensive line play in the year of our Lord, 2022. My impression is that it's going to be less than stellar. We shall see. They added some transfers, some experienced guys. Josh Henson, is he nearly as good at his job? As Bill Biedenboe is? No, probably not. Probably not. But we'll see. I'm not going to jump to conclusions about USC's football season in 2022 just yet. One thing you got to acknowledge is they have a ton of skill position talent. They've got an outstanding quarterback in Caleb Williams. So there's a lot of... What's the, what's the, mathemat- what's the technical mathematical term? I'm not a math person at all. There's a lot of margin for variability, I guess is what I'm getting at. This is a team that could win five games as easily as it could win 11 games in 2022. I don't know what we're going to get from USC. I think I'm they're either on the skeptical side of things. They either may run through the Pac-12 just... or they're going to have some trouble with the Utah and Oregon. they got to go to Utah, which is 
Parker, that's not an easy thing to do. No, it's not. Do we got Brandon Drum on the line? We do not. I think the man's busy. We do not have him. Oh, no. Well, that's unfortunate. Always look forward to our Friday chats. Of course, Brandon and I are colleagues over at OUinsider.com on the 24-7 Sports Network. So, uh, generally, it's a, uh, it's a recruiting roundtable when we bring him on Friday afternoons at 1.35. So, uh, hopefully, we'll have a chance to catch up with him before the end of the show. If not, uh, then check back again next Friday afternoon because we usually have him booked for that 1.30 slot. The man is very, very busy, though. I understand. We got Brandon Parker. Uh, there. Oh, we got him? We got him. We got him? Beautiful. Brandon, how we doing? What's going on, man? Sorry, I was out, the, out on the lake with the kids. Totally missed your call. No. Totally understandable. It's that type of weekend, man. Still yeah. uh, still coming down off the uh, July 4th. Well, what, what's the opposite of a high? What is it when you... Just get comfortable with uh, being uh, low-key, taking a few days off. Yeah, that's that's about what it is. Steely's still in the Bahamas, so we're making do until well, he, he gets back. he's beating me. But <laughs> he ran into Baker Mayfield at a Quiznos a couple days ago, which I have no doubt he's going to boast about on these airwaves for the next week once he gets back on Monday. But, Brandon, I uh, want to talk to you about a couple of recruits uh, that we have folks asking about on the Air Comfort Solutions text line and uh, guys that you have plenty of solid, reliable intel on. So let's start with Peyton Kirkland, four-star offensive lineman out of Orlando, Florida. Uh, this is a kid uh, that is considering Oklahoma, considering Florida, considering Miami, as well as Michigan State, Texas A&M kind of in the mix there as well. But there doesn't seem to be a clear consensus as to where Peyton Kirkland ends up decision on the calendar for july 23rd what's the latest on ou standing with peyton kirkland i you know what i don't know i mean i you know when i talk to him it seems like it's i get a miami vibe from him and that's just from me talking to him and you know i've known him for a long time i know him really well he and i have gotten to be pretty close throughout this process i've been out to visit him i think six times uh just to kind of cover my basis whenever I go out there and do our Florida tour, you know, every three months or so that we do. But he, you know, he called me the other day and I got a Miami vibe. He called me out of the blue just to talk and that's what I got. Uh, But at the same time, he's also been known as a kid that will throw people off just to throw off, no matter how close you are to him. He wants his decision to be a secret. He wants it to be a big deal. He wants everybody to be on edge. So you have all these crystal balls going in for Miami right now. At one point, you had everybody throwing him in for Florida, and he had jokingly told me one day that he kind of finessed it by, you know, just joking around with people and making the Florida people believe he was going to Florida. So these kids have fun with it. They like to get people, you know, prognosticating where they're going to go and and getting people to think wrong and all that type of stuff, especially Peyton. It's great. He's a great kid. I want everybody to understand. Great kid. But he has fun with this process. And I think until you get uh, closer to his decision, I don't know that we're going to know 100%. I do know that communication between him and Oklahoma has died down a little bit. Um, and it's not. it has a lot to do with his. I guess his doing. He's also he also posted on Twitter though that he was taking a break from talking to a lot of people, including coaches. So 
that's something we're all going to find out. He's shooting a video, uh, but we'll know on July 23rd what's up. Interesting stuff there. And, again, that's that's all the evidence you need, that Peyton Kirkland could go literally anywhere and nobody's going to know with any degree of certainty until he puts on the hat a couple weeks from now. Uh, Brandon, Troy Bulls set to decide next Saturday between Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Georgia. Of course, the son of Tampa Bay Buccaneers head coach Todd Bulls, a Mm four-star linebacker, very highly regarded, highly recruited kid out of the state of Florida, does OU have a chance here? Of course, the 24-7 sports yeah. crystal ball favors Georgia. There are people in Ohio State circles that are confident, but Brent Venables has been working this recruitment hard. What's the latest on where Oklahoma stands in the race for Troy Bowles? I mean, if you're a linebacker and you have Brent Venables and obviously Ted Roof recruiting you, you, you listen um, and – Oklahoma's in a really good spot right now. I don't want to say they're the leader because I think that would be kind of naive if anybody didn't believe that. Uh, I would probably pick Georgia at this juncture. But from what I know, I know from talking to somebody just last night that Bowles has been very open to his affinity for Oklahoma, for Brent Venables, for Ted Roof, uh, what they've done developmental-wise for linebackers over the last decade-plus, two decades Obviously, Brent Venables has had numerous Buckus winners. Uh, he's had numerous first-round draft picks. He's developed numerous NFL linebackers, and that's not lost on a kid whose dad is the head coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and a former defensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So uh, I know they had a conversation, uh, Brent Venables and Bowles, that lasted, from what I was told, over an hour, hour and 15, hour and a half, uh, just in the last few days, and that conversation went really, really well. What that does as far as a decision, I don't know. I mean, my gut says Georgia, but I I don't think anybody's counting Venables out, and that's why you only see one crystal ball put in for him at this point. Like, there isn't a lot of people that really have a good sense of where he's going, and if they really believed 100% that it was Ohio State or Georgia crystal balls would be put in, uh, you still hear Oklahoma buzz, and I think uh, until you stop hearing the buzz for Oklahoma and Bowles, considering he visited Oklahoma two or three times already, uh, you, you've got to give the Sooners a chance, especially with Brent Venables leading the charge. Now, obviously we talk from time to time about David Hicks. That's usually a guy that we ask you about uh, every yeah. Friday here on this program, the five-star defensive lineman uh, out of Katy, Texas. Now, we know for a fact that Hicks's recruitment is going to last uh, at least until the new year uh, from what he's said. So uh, I want to table that for now, and I want to ask you about another kid, uh, another big fish in the defensive pond for Brent Venables and the Sooners that hasn't put out a timeline for his commitment and hasn't even taken an official visit yet. As a matter of fact, that would be Tassilia Kana, the four-star edge rusher mm-hmm. out of Lehigh, Utah. What are you hearing on that one? Uh, unofficial visit for Oklahoma on the 29th. I think you were the first to report that out of anybody. Uh, he told you when you were out in Las Vegas. And I have since confirmed that that visit is taking place. Uh, and Oklahoma also feels that they're going to get a visit out of official visit out of him. And from when I talked to people around that situation, obviously I was just out in California. Uh, a lot of people that are close to that or follow that recruitment on a day-to-day basis were out there covering the Elite 11, and so I got to talk to some people about it. And they 
firmly believe Oklahoma is a leader. And I mean, there is, it was like adamant, like Oklahoma is going to be hard to be for Cecilia Connor. Now, there is no timeline for a decision. I know Oklahoma does feel like they have the lead. There's reason to believe that when you talk to people that know that recruitment. It's a matter of a decision being made, and it's a matter of, it's a matter of, you know, I guess a visit happening. I, first and foremost, he came on a visit whenever, whenever the uh, previous staff was around, and I think Jamar Kane was leading the charge there. Uh, I also know that they're really big into Jocelyn Allo, and so uh, obviously being originally from Hawaii, now moving up to uh, Utah. There's a really good chance uh, that Oklahoma uses that. Dylan Gabriel, uh, uh, Lulu, you know, like these guys hailing from Hawaii or at least being being from that area and having a Samoan background is going to help Oklahoma in that process, I think, moving forward. And that's something uh, we're watching very closely. As far as timeline goes, I don't know. I, I would expect sometime in September, October, maybe November, for a decision to be made. Uh, but uh, we do know that Oklahoma is in a very good spot, and a visit is taking place at the end of July to start for an unofficial, and then an official seems to be taking place uh, later on in the fall. And once that happens, I think anything's left to happen, and you you, you, you can kind of flip a coin and feel that Oklahoma's in a, a spot where they could end up getting a commitment from one of the top edge rushers in the country. Brandon Drum, OUinsider.com on the 24-7 Sports Network. Brandon, we'll talk again next Friday. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. All right, that is Brandon Drum, a regular here on the Friday installment of our program to talk all things OU football and recruiting. One segment to go on Steelman and Thune at noon before Locked In comes your way at the top of the hour with myself and Tyler McComas. Stick around. We'll wrap it up next. This is The Ref. I love me some Tom Petty. Good work, Connor. Good work. This is the way to close the weekend, at least on this show. Full hour of OU football and recruiting talk coming your way next. Locked in with myself and Tyler McComas. Parker Thune, Connor Pasby here with you. Connor, I guess this is it, man. We got about four minutes together. Been a heck of a uh, heck of a first... three day three days together this week. Good I week. know. First first trial run again. Uh, having hosted with you now, I have made the complete circuit. I have been on air with every other member of our ref staff. I'll send you. I'll send you a trophy with it, your name on it. I'll send you a trophy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm sure I'm not the first person to do so. I'm sure uh, jo- Josh Helmer probably beat me to it by months. That man works as hard as anybody. Everybody does in our office. That's what makes it so great. Everybody's a hard worker. Nobody's a squeaky wheel. It's an outstanding environment. Love the ref staff. Hopefully, you love tuning in to the show. Every week, or every day, I almost said every week. If you're only t- tuning in once a week, I guess we'll still take it. But uh, we appreciate all of you uh, that listen daily, that interact on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. If you have any closing thoughts, questions, opinions before we wrap it up. Uh, one listener says, of course, as soon as Brandon comes on, my boss pulls me aside. What did I miss? Here's the spark notes. The Sooners are in a sneaky good spot for Cecilia Kana. 
seem to be fading in the recruitment of Peyton Kirkland. And who else did we grill Brandon about? There was one other that I asked him about. Troy Bowles, that's who it was, the four-star linebacker out of the state of Florida. Uh, OU still in that thing, uh, but not right now expected to be the pick next weekend when Troy Bowles makes his decision. Uh, I am in Kansas City today for the decision from four-star offensive lineman Caden Green. Talk about one that is expected to go Oklahoma's way. The Sooners appear to be in the driver's seat to land his pledge. Uh, We shall see at 5 p.m. He'll be choosing between OU, Missouri, Nebraska, and LSU. And we will continue to dig into that situation and plenty more on the recruiting trail uh, coming up as myself and Tyler McComas take you for the next hour on Locked In. Uh, One final text on the Air Comfort Solutions text line by Job. Norman Community Christian School standout. Uh, Committed to Michigan State yesterday over Oklahoma and Alabama. One listener asks on the text line, Hey, Parker, any thoughts on Todd Bates not getting by Job? Have to think he had as good a shot as Michigan State. And it was a situation where by Job just wanted out of Oklahoma. That's what it boiled down to. And it had nothing to do with OU's stature as a program. With a kid like By Job, who's only been in the U.S. for a couple years, you have to keep in mind, prestige as an institution doesn't mean as much to a kid like that as it does to your average Sooner fan, to you, the listener. For you, the listener, who's been familiar with uh, the history and tradition of OU football for years and years and years, You understand the prestige that OU football carries, and it means something to you. It's very significant. For a kid like By Job, it doesn't carry the same weight because he's not as well acquainted with and steeped in the Oklahoma tradition and the sport of football in general. So was not surprised to see him go to Michigan State yesterday uh, rather than Oklahoma and rather than Alabama, which were the other two schools uh, in his top three. But with that... We're going to call it a wrap here. Steelman and Thune at noon this Friday installment. Parker Thune, Connor Pasby coming up next. It is myself and Tyler McComas getting you locked into all things OU football recruiting. Thanks so much for tuning in. Steely's back on Monday. We'll see you at noon.